This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 44. Let's get it! So, welcome guys. You got Sebastian and Tyler here. Uh, Dan is currently busy right now. I think he's at a Patriots game. Right, Tyler? Yeah. Or I don't know if he's actually at a Patriots game, but I think he's getting um, uh, shit-faced right now, apparently. <laughs> uh, One way or the other. Yeah, I, th- I think the Patriots actually lost a very interesting game 6 to nothing. so... Yeah, it was 6-0 versus the Chargers. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he went to Foxborough and watched that mess. I Hopefully, he got his money back. So, he so actually game was, went. That game was, yeah, he, he went. He went. Okay. Uh, he had some people in town, uh, I believe, uh, staying with him. But, yeah, that was a very boring game. I uh, <laughs> I have a, you. It's not a game I would love to go to, so. No, two field goals is crazy. And losing <laughs> when somebody only scores two field goals is even crazier. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I feel, feel bad for him, but. Hopefully they still had a good time. Yeah, I mean he's with friends, you know. He probably he he talks about tailgating and stuff. Hopefully it wasn't like too cold for him. Uh, all that good stuff. So oh man, sure Dan's pretty hardy. It. Yeah, it doesn't get too cold for him. Yeah. Dan's pretty hardy. Yeah. <laughs> but how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Uh, doing really good. I I you know just like I was talking earlier, I went to like a little small anime convention, met a lot of interesting people. Um uh today cool, so cool uh it was it was actually my first convention so i'm glad i started off small because i i don't think i was I, i'm ready for a bigger convention um <laughs> after what i've seen today <laughs> oh shit <laughs> oh to, man i have to work my way up you know what i mean so i hear you uh i've been wanting to go to the atlanta anime convention uh for years at this point but every year it's like a weekend and like i'm out of town or like like this year i was in europe and i was like bro like i just want to go one time to see what it's like um i i think that those bigger ones like that is probably uh really fun to go to honestly they probably you probably get to see like a lot of different like really really good cosplays yes on on top of like just really fun events probably some big name actors and stuff um Actually, uh, there was a couple big name people, uh, dub people at this one. It was uh, the voice actor for Asuna from um, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which, of course, I don't like Mecca, but I'm sure Dan would love (laughs) to, uh, you know, uh, see that. And then we had uh, Bill Parsons, apparently, uh, which is a bit, you know, he does, I think, Nappa Mm -hmm. from uh, Dragon Ball, so... Uh, oh, that's super cool! Yeah, the the one in Atlanta, they they have like the booths with different voice actors from different anime. Um, they have like different competitions, and like I always love seeing the cosplays because like they're so crazy good. Because I mean, it's Atlanta; you have all that fashion, and it's a big population of people that show up. It's one of the biggest, bigger ones on the East Coast, so I, that's why I want to go. And it's only a few hours from here, but timing is a son of a bitch. <laughs> it is, bro. It yes, is sir. one of, one of these years, bro. I'll make it. I'll make it. We all need to meet up for one uh sometime next year, the three of us for sure. 
Yeah, maybe we can do it. Heck yeah, man. So, guys, on this weekly rundown, what we have is Undead Unluck 9, Freerun Episode 13, Baroni Kenshin Episode 22, Jujutsu Kaisen Episode 19, and One Piece Episode 1086. So many episodes. But cool, <laughs> man. I think we had some really good episodes this week. Um, and one not so good one. I think the One Piece one was lacking. It was fun, though. Uh, I will say, but uh, Tyler, you ready to get right into it? Uh, yeah, let's do this. Um, so Undead Unluck, uh, we'll be starting off on episode nine, and it basically goes. This episode starts. The round table is on the scene trying to figure out how to defeat Victor or Victor. Uh, Andy's alter ego. Victor is very strong and bloodthirsty. But Fuko, she has a plan to win the day, save the day, some might say. Um, it was a pretty interesting show. Uh, we was wondering about like how they was actually going to do it. So uh, we'll get right back into it, though. Episode starts with the battle between the round table and Victor. Uh, basically with Victor going up against number one. I forget her name, though. Uh, I don't even know if we know her name. No, they haven't told us yeah. all of their names yet, so I didn't include them. Um, but Fuko wants to go back to help defeat uh, Victor, and Shin gives her a revolver because he knows that if he doesn't give her a way to at least defend herself, then um, uh, Andy will be pretty pissed at him if something does end up happening to her. Uh, and Top, Top, he actually uses uh, his super speed to get her back, and like as soon as I seen like Tob, I was like, "This man, this man really the Flash out here, <laughs> for real, for real." <laughs> and I thought it was pretty funny that Shin had like a revolver on him. Like he's a martial arts master with a blicky. Yeah, it seemed I'm, like out of place, but I'm glad he had one tucked. You know what I'm saying? For one, for one second there, I thought that the revolver was like a special tool that was not actually or like. It was special, like a uh, different than a normal revolver, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, that um, that would be a good assumption in this show. Yeah, uh, but at this time, like, what what did you have on your mind? Um, what did you think? Like, Fuko's plan was uh, to help Andy come back at this time. I, I I really was trying to think of something. I was getting super elaborate in my head as as a uh, top was running back, but I was like, this is a silly dumb show. At a lot of moments. So it has to be something simple. Uh, I, I knew it was going to involve her unluck, but I didn't exactly understand how they would go about it. Uh, you, you had about a week to think on this. Unlike me, I watched these episodes back to back the last couple. Of, um, what did you what did you think? Uh, well, I think I said uh, I, I'll go back even to like last episode, the last rundown episode we did. I really thought that she would try to kiss him. Um, that was my big thing. That's what I wanted to see. That's yeah. how I thought she was going to get him to like um, turn back enough or turn back into his uh, not thick, not Victor, um, turn back into actual Andy. Um, so that's kind of what I had in my mind. I just okay. didn't know how she was going to do it. So. It was it was something. It ended up being not a kiss, but something you know similar, very intimate. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. 
Um, one thing I do want to mention, like um, the top Tapu, uh, the white hair kid that's the Flash. What? Why do you think he's got to stay like running? Um, I'm not sure. It, it, I mean, it's gonna be have to do something with his unpower. Maybe it's hard for him to turn it off once it's on because we've mm. seen him sitting at the round table, but maybe he just can't sit still once he gets going. That's the only reason I could think because, like, he yeah, he never stopped. He was running in circles around uh, Foucault when they were out there in the desert. So, yeah, I, I don't think he can stop himself. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, um, it kind of reminded me of, like, Beyblade, honestly. Yeah. You know, like the Tapu. That, I mean, that's literally his oh, name. Oh, okay, so, okay, okay. But the thing is, the thing that throws, throws me off of that is the fact that he's not spinning in a circle. But he runs in circles, so I don't know. I don't think he has to run in circles. I think yeah. he just has to keep moving, and he was trying to stay in the vicinity. Yeah, um, so... I also love this guy's name, Top Bull Sparks. Like Big <laughs> Bubble Sparks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Bubble Sparks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Uh, what, what do you, what's he saying? Like, booty, 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 what, rocking, rocking everywhere. everywhere. Yes, sir. <laughs> It's a big throwback right there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as a side note, Bubba Sparks actually does, uh, I think, country music now, I think. What the hell? What Bro, you say? Yeah. He, he raps, but it's over country shit now. Yeah, he, he's really hitting his demographic right now. He's thriving. Oh, yeah. okay. He's thriving in that uh, genre. I'm really going to have to check that out because I did not know that. Uh, I've listened to a few country raps before, like Colt Ford mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I think Bubba Sparks could probably do it, honestly. So I mean, Bubba Sparks got he's got decent bars. I think he 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 does it pretty well, actually. Okay, okay. Um, but I guess getting back to topic away from uh, booty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like uh, Foucault's plan is to actually hit Victor with some unluck. Uh, the problem is, is like. If Foucault's power works better with people that she actually likes and uh, this new alter ego, she doesn't really like um, him so much. So she brings out the big guns. Uh, we've only seen it happen one time. She wraps her shirt around his neck and hangs on for dear life. Um, you have any thoughts about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh so first thing first she she unleashed the the, the cannons which I, I definitely didn't see coming um she was just going for some maximum surface area it looked like but i thought it was really interesting like it, it's such a curse that her unluck only works well on people she likes it's so backwards uh uh shin's ability works the same way though he has to actually have a fondness for the person he's trying to affect so it's interesting how these 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 negator powers actually are are manifesting yeah. um another thing though victor victor i'm gonna call him victor um <laughs> says you know you guys are trying to bring out the fake i'm the original like do you believe that like i don't know if i trust this this mass murderer's word or not I mean, you know, the thing is with any kind of alter ego, they all think that they're the real thing, you know? Uh, right. That's just right. the way it goes any time, right? So in his mind, he thinks that he's the real deal, and Andy thinks he's the real deal. So um, I guess it's just a matter of perspective, literally. So yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm, I'm thinking Andy's the real one. Um, 
I think Andy probably started off as Andy, and then maybe over time, Victor took over for a set amount of years, probably a large portion of that 200 years he's been alive or something like that. Um, but yeah, I hope Victor's not the OG. Yeah, fuck, it's inter- fuck Victor. It is interesting, though, because they said that um, Gina was the one that uh, kind of reined him in last time, and I wonder if, because we don't really know, but I wonder if uh, Gina actually reined in Victor or uh, uh, Andy. Um, I I would like to know that, honestly, Um, which one that she actually did rein in, so. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, uh, because, I mean, they do share seems like they share a uh, perception of the world around them. It's just, you know, a little schizophrenia, a little multi- multi- multiple personality disorder type thing. Do. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, speaking of like the, uh, this whole, the whole time all this is happening, um, obviously there's a fight going on. We got all the round table trying their hardest to uh, like, um, I guess, uh, keep them suppressed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and kind of protect Uko while she's like hanging on, which is pretty dangerous, honestly. But uh, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, you know. Uh, what did you think of like the whole fight, like overall? Did you enjoy it? Is there anything that you um, uh, didn't really like that was that happened and all that good stuff? So as Fuko like got back and like latched herself to Victor, um, I was thinking like, why doesn't he just like one shot kill her right now? And he actually started trying to, but the round table was doing such a good job of like coming in last second and getting between those two. I thought it was really cool. The, the fight scenes and how the round table were had like combination attacks was dope as fuck. Yeah. Um, I thought this scene like punched way higher as far as like intensity of the fight scenes in the rest of the show. I was, I was actually very impressed with this when you compare it to everything else. What about you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it overall. We got to see like a lot of different abilities uh, rain down, basically. But I'm I'm kind of like um, on the same level as you as far as Fuko situation. We we know that like Andy can uh, basically separate his body and manifest his real body into any part that he wants to, basically, right? We know that, so. What I don't understand is why didn't he use the opportunity to get away from Fuko? Because he could literally do like parts bullet for his finger and shoot it and then manifest his body away, his real body away from her in order to get away from her unluck. It wasn't like explicitly said or anything, but I was thinking maybe he was like maxing out because he had all those clones active too. That's the only thing I, I could think of uh, because I, I actually thought about that and, and, and uh, kind of just didn't bring it up. But yeah, he, sh- he could have done that. But maybe he didn't think he needed to. Yeah, maybe he thought that... She- the, only, the only thing that I could come up with is maybe that he underestimated her ability or didn't understand it enough. I don't know. Yeah, he did call her pathetic or something of the sort. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing I could come up with in my head. But I'm going to call it like plot. <laughs> yeah, it's probably plot. It's um, probably plot. He also was getting jumped like a motherfucker. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. Uh, I'm glad. I guess I'm glad it didn't happen because they gotta they gotta have some way to stop him. I guess you know. Uh, right. So bro is overpowered. Like he time. is. Yeah. The dude. Uh, the dude. Like during this. 
like this whole fight scene or whatever. There was one moment where you could see like his outline or whatever and his hair just flowing or whatever, you know, all that good stuff. I was like, bro, is this is this Madara? Am I watching Madara <laughs> right now? <laughs> yeah, bro was moving wicked, like for real. <laughs> um like and it was cool because like he had so many abilities that like Andy just couldn't take advantage of. I don't know if it's just from the battle experience or like when he has control of the body, like he just has more overall power. But he was definitely pulling a lot of moves that Andy just hasn't. Yeah. Um, I guess moving on, uh, I thought the fight was wonderful. Uh, but Buko brings Andy out, like basically an extension of the plan besides, you know, wrapping herself around him without a shirt on. Uh, she actually shoots Andy or Victor in the head with the revolver and puts her thumb in the hole, I guess, to kind of keep the hole from closing back up. Um, maybe she thought she could maybe sneak that card back in there, I guess was her motives, right? Uh, I think she like knew Andy was in the brain somewhere. And like, she was trying to keep the hole open. So he could, she like talked to him oh, in like, some way. Okay. Yeah. That's a good okay. Um, but like during this during this whole scene, like um it's pretty touching. Uh Andy and Fuko seemed like they had some good chemistry going. Uh do you think Fuko could fall in love with our boy before the end of this season? You know, man, like how she was talking, like I, I she's definitely feeling our boy Andy more than she did in like episode two, three, or like four even. Um yeah, I definitely think it's a possibility. I think this is what a twelve or thirteen episode season. Like we still got you know three more episodes to go, two or three more episodes well, to go. Um, this is this is two cower, by the way. Oh, for sure. Then yeah, no, nah, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, Andy's got this. Like man's got <laughs> Matt Riz. Um, but yeah, like she was saying, like you know, I don't want to be alone again, and like, and we saw when like Andy came out again, like her whole face was red, and like you know she's like tapping her toe and stuff. Like yeah, she's 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 there. She, she's she's going to get there. Well, my opinion is she's already there. So, uh, hey, hey. she's already there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just the other. Now, she, I think she's wanting Andy to fall for her now. Um, I think at this time that Andy, Andy, uh, is still got it on his mind that he wants to just use her, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I think Fuko, I think Fuko is like there already, honestly. Okay. Yeah. So, so she she needs it to be mutual. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah she's yeah, hiding, hiding the cards a little bit. I, I feel think that. So. Yeah. Um. Like, but yeah, as the round table and Fuko backs away after all that happens, uh, Victor kind of admit admits defeat and a uh, rain of meteors basically come down on him. Uh, pretty much destroying the whole like zombified town uh like there was like a so many meteors and it made a like a huge crater in the i guess ocean i guess you can say maybe and like fuko runs back in while the water is crashing back in too just so she could put the card in while everyone else was standing there um did you think at this time like that she they was gonna she was gonna make it or that they was gonna make it? I, I I'm I was like so sure that like she was gonna be okay, but it was also still brave because like you have the the water pressure from the 
the the lake or ocean or whatever. I'm pretty sure the lake we're in a desert. And yeah, I thought it was really brave, but like no one else had the the was in the mind space to be like, hey, like we are about to end the fight. Like we still have to put this card in his fucking head. Like we haven't actually won yet. So it's, heads up play by Fuko. It's a crazy what love will do to you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh but then uh we don't have to wait very long to find out. I actually thought the episode was ending at that time, but it doesn't. It, it ends just a little bit later. But um three weeks three weeks later apparently uh, we we come back to and Fuko is waking up to Andy at her bedside. Uh, I guess she's been knocked out for three weeks now. Um, and in the meantime, he's read all 101 volumes of from from you to me, uh, a shoujo manga from their universe. Which is if you listen to our uh battle royale thing uh, i went on a rant about it being a parody to from to from me to you so um ah. it was pretty fun so okay yeah I, I was i was glad he got to read some 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 decent manga when he was uh sitting there by the bedside it was also cool that he was like there when she woke up like i thought that was really heartfelt that he just kind of like sat there the whole time for three straight weeks yeah I mean, we we get to, like this is this is prime te- learning moments for him because he actually gets to learn what what Fuko actually likes in a man because she likes this is her favorite manga. She was ready to die after she finished it, but you know all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can pick up some you know pointers from this manga to help him win her over. But the thing is, is he don't even need to like he's already there so yeah i think i think he won but like i i think he needs to learn how to act to like to get fuko to like accept him on that level yeah you know what I'm i saying? think i think that manga could help him though uh do that so I, I think so like i think it's gonna come up for sure uh i don't think they had him read all 100 and vol- one, 101 volumes for no reason <laughs> it's gonna come up eventually <laughs> but yeah um, Fu- fuko was was mad at andy and like was crying when she woke up uh because andy didn't tell her the plan and she thought it was too reckless because they almost didn't get him back and did did you think she had like the right to be mad about that like he got the job done i mean how else was they gonna beat uh spoil you know uh right i mean obviously andy and them thought that that was the only way so like you can be mad all you want but uh i mean sure could there have been more preparation Probably, but um, now I guess they didn't really have time for that. So, true, true, true. But uh, yeah, I guess the end of episode, Fuko asked Andy, like, uh, if the kid's memory of their teacher would turn into sad ones, um, because the kids also came by to see, um, Fuko while she was in her little three week uh coma, I guess you can say. Um, Andy thought that they wouldn't remember the sad like remember her in a sad way but what what's your thoughts on it what do you think um i think they might be like sad with like how things turn turned out but like i think their memories of the actual teacher will, will like like live on for the rest of their lives in like a good light because she took care of them like you know she 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 was their teacher on top of that and like she was just a really good person uh she also sacrificed herself for them yeah, true. And and the whole town. So I don't think it'll be negative in any way. Uh, I think they'll be sad when they think about it because she's not there. But sad memories, definitely not. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel the same way. I I've, I think Andy said something really good here, and I'm I don't know the direct, like uh specific quote, but he said something along the lines um uh her emotions uh made it through spoil or made it past spoils uh abilities or something like that. So I thought yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was. It it was something like a you know, it it didn't spoil her emotion. You know, yeah. it, her emotion will live through and all yeah. past this. Yeah, it's so it was dope, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My man's my man's got some uh, some wordplay in him for sure. <laughs> and then he's like, "What did you think about that uh, wise words from a two hundred year old man?" I'm just like, "Bro, I Shut thought you read up. this manga, bro. <laughs> Shut the fuck <laughs> Learn up. Learn some it. shit. You, had it. you what? <laughs> got a glow. Yeah." Well, I guess that's it, Bass. Uh, do we want to move on? You yeah, let's do else? it. No, that's okay. it for me, man. All right. Let's uh, do Freerin, episode 13, Aversion to One's Own Kind. And while passing by a village, our party meets a genius priest that they want to add to their party. Uh, it doesn't seem like he will relent until more of the truth comes to light. Um, basically, we start this episode off with a heartfelt exchange between Freerin and and a man. We don't know this man yet, but they're talking about his past while he's apparently sinking into a pit of mud. To his death. Like, to his <laughs> death. Like, he's chest high with one arm out. Reaching out there fearing, and she's sitting there with like her little knapsack, chilling. Heartless old. Mm, mm. Well, I, I, I commend the dude. Like, he, like, he wasn't panicking. He was cool, calm, and collected. Like a cucumber, uh, the, like the whole time, and then we finally realized that he was actually about to die, and um, <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, man!" Uh, he was chilling, like yeah, like I would have been cussing Freeran out so hard. You motherfucker, you get me out of here right <laughs> now. Talking about you don't know if you're gonna save me. Help, help, nah. Yeah, she was talking about like um how she was trying to remember the spell that uh, uh pulls people out of um muddy uh sinking pits or something like that. Like bro, and, just levitate my ass. Like what are you <laughs> doing? And then Fern comes, and what I want to know is, do you think even though Freeran says that oh she remembered the spell, do you think Freeran pulled her out, or do you think Fern pulled her out? I think Fern pulled her out. A <laughs> uh, thousand percent. I don't think Fern was going to do it. Like, I really don't think she was going to do it, man. She wanted to find us. She wanted to put the spell to good use, bro. <laughs> you talking about over you thinking of spells? Like, I'm up to, like, my chin in, in mud? <laughs> like, it honestly him. made me, like, not like Fern so much. I was like, bro, like, help him. Like, you have all this power. Just help him. Like, this is going to cost you nothing. Yeah, I I feel like that she knew that he wasn't gonna die, but at the same time, she felt like you know she she could take her time too. I don't know. Uh, I really enjoyed this scene. I laughed a lot. I was laughing I, the whole time. So I, I I thought it was funny, and then I got mad. Because <laughs> like think about it, like if I was just like sitting, like if you were sinking into a pit, right? <laughs> and I was just sitting there, like on my ass, with my hands tucked around my knees. I don't know, man, bro. Like I, I got something to do today. And 
<laughs> You'd be hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God our boy kept his school. Yeah, no, for real. Great guy. Great guy. Wouldn't have helped him probably if he spouted off. So, um, like, I would have died angry that day. But, uh, they get on back to the village and, uh, uh, they you know, they're gonna go about that way, even though, um, uh, our boy was like, won't you stay a little bit, a little bit, you know, um, you know, I need to repay you, blah, blah. They're like, no, we need to get on our way to get provisions and stuff. But he was like, you know, be careful. There's very venomous, uh, things out there. Don't get bit. And then their party leaves and within the next five minutes, what do you think happens? Broke his bit immediately. Stark. <laughs> yeah. The dumbass. Stark. Yeah. Be reaching for some berries and boy got bit by a venomous snake. So now, uh, you know, obviously they have to go back to the village because they can't um, go to the new village because they can't make it uh, in time. Um, and we got like they got into like some um world building right now uh yes, sir. A, a few different things that i really enjoyed the first of it was like uh some of the magic that they was talking about um like they we learned that fern can only fly people for 30 minutes because it takes up a large amount of mana and we know that fern's got the mana so so um no, it was, it was, yeah, Fern could only fly herself. She only had enough mana left to fly for 30 minutes. Yeah. I think if it was just Fern. Him, right? No, she, she, she was asking how long can you levitate? Okay. Not even care, because Fern was going to carry the guy, uh, carry oh. Stark. So oh, that was true. just her limit. Okay. I think Fern would have been able to, I mean, sorry, Fern would have been able to make it even carrying Stark okay. to the next town, but Fern just doesn't have as much mana. Either way, now now we kind of understand why we don't see this behavior a lot. You know what I mean? Because it takes right. up so much mana. Because, like I said, we know Fern's got it. Fern's got the mana. And um, she can only do it for 30 minutes for herself. So that means Fern's like a bad, like she's a baddie. Like, I mean, yeah. we knew that, but she's a baddie. <laughs> yeah. And, like, um, we also learned in this scene right here was, like, uh, um, Freeran didn't know priest's spells. So like and priests are healers apparently. I hadn't put that together. Like, did you know that? I mean, I didn't actually like I didn't really know that, know that, but I assumed that they could debuff and stuff because, you know, that's kind of how like R like MMORPGs and stuff go. And I think this uh like they had the party system going. So right, right. what else is a priest good for besides like debuffing and like buffing and uh, stuff like that. But I didn't like know, I didn't know that their healing was that more advanced. I thought Furin could hold her own, honestly. But like you said, we learned that she really couldn't do that type of thing. So, yeah, it's interesting that she's lived over a thousand years and just, I just, you know, I'm not really locked in on the healing part of this whole magic thing. You know, you think it would be very helpful, especially since she spent most of her life traveling by herself. Yeah. So I uh, thought that, that didn't make much sense, but I bet she does. It just doesn't get hurt a lot because of who she is. Yeah. I mean, she's probably, uh, she probably doesn't really run across very many people that can actually do anything to her. Um, right. So 
I think when she's on her normal journeys, she probably tries to steer away from danger too, probably because you know Fern's not there to make her help people. So uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, she she stays out of the the mix. Yeah, uh, we go back to town and uh, the I guess the head priest or whatever he couldn't really heal uh, Stark's bite, um, and they're just like you know. GG's well played. It's over for your boy Stark. Uh, he's gonna <laughs> die soon, and that was a funny moment and stuff. But then the brother come in, which his name is uh, Sign, I think it Sign. is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's the priest, uh, the priest that was stuck in a mud pit. Um, and he walks up to Stark and just puts his hand on him and heals him in like five seconds, just like that. Um. So I guess he's really, really good. Uh, and yeah. And so I guess the reaction to that is Gurren wants him to join the party now uh, because right. the brother was like, you know, he will do adventures and stuff and, you know, you should take him along. So they try to get him to do that, but our boy ain't having it, so. I mean, and Stark was saying, like, I'm not going to risk um, <clears throat> get, getting poisoned again without having a priest with us. <laughs> and Fern was like, yeah, it's probably a good idea that we, you know, pick one up. And that, that genius guy that we met earlier is probably going to be good for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good to have a <laughs> healer in your party. Yeah. And I, I found the next few parts pretty funny, honestly. Like, the uh, they found a, a sign at... A pub, the bar downstairs, drinking, smoking, and gambling. That's my dog, really. <laughs> like he's that a bro. Sounds, yeah, that sounds like Heiter, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if like Heiter smokes and gambles, but like we know he drinks. But I, I think this guy's like on a whole other level. You know what I'm saying? Apparently, uh, apparently, you know, uh, it's pretty common for priests to be corrupt. I guess. Uh, so. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping <laughs> not. I, I hope it's just like Heiter and, and Stein. Maybe it's maybe it's just the good ones, you know? True, true suffering from success. Yeah. Maybe they're just bored, you know, and they need some excitement in their life. So I could see that. Um, but yeah, the next few parts after this, after we get to the pub scene, is like they're really just trying to get this man to join their party. Uh, Scene's brother is even like he's always wanted to be an adventurer. And I think you guys just need to give him one last push and like get him out of town. And like, and they stalk this man, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like carrying things. I think it was like pumpkins in a in a in a barrel or something like that, or on a cart. And they're like just standing over him, you know, behind like the market, like waving at him, like, "Hey, buddy, how you doing today?" <laughs> and like they stayed in the town just to like stalk this man, and be like, "Yo," every day, multiple times a day, be like, "Yo, you need to come with us. We we need to." We need a priest. We need one now. And you're yeah, Stark, Stark really trying, bro. He don't want to get bit again. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> he was too close to death once already, so. True. Um, And in their final attempt, what they end up doing, uh, Scene's brother tells him, like, you know, he's always wanted to travel with an older lady. Bro's a freak. Um, and Fern's like, Man, I got this. I got this. I got the technique, the secret technique that my my master told me that Flame uh, gifted me. And she goes up to him and like, 
sticks out her leg and like blows him a kiss and it just falls completely flat. It was so <laughs> funny, dude. It was so funny. Uh, what would like what was your reaction to this scene? I, I did not see this coming at all. I didn't know what she was about to do. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think she was gonna do that, but I thought she was gonna try to use her oldness in their favor to make him uh fall for her or want to go on a trip with them, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but I didn't see that. That it, this episode was kind of funny uh, it, it was. throughout. So, um, but we also seen like a flashback of her using it on Himmel too, and I, I think that was one of my favorite parts of the episode because now we're seeing the truth. Himmel really did love Freeran. <laughs> yeah, he had like the bloody nose and everything. Boy was on his back. Yeah, because she tried her secret technique, and she was like. I'm so confused. Why won't it work on sign? It works just fine on Himmel. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm bad. Like, what you? What's wrong with you? Uh, and I thought it was funny. Like, she followed up with, uh, what did she say? I'm blanking on. I just had it in my mind. She followed up with, uh, oh yeah, she says, uh, you're just too young to appreciate the kiss, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, and bro, I about I hit the floor when she said that dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thing, maybe maybe if Freeran actually looked like she was like a, a 30 year old maybe but she looks like she's freaking 13 bro <laughs> yeah yeah because the scene was like somebody get this kid out of my face yeah um not verbatim yeah. obviously i had to throw my spit on that one. <laughs> yeah this, this this whole episode was pretty fun uh it was definitely one of my favorites of the week so it was a relaxing chill thing um, but we also learned that Sign's friend invited him on a journey 10 years ago. And we kind of got a bit of that when he was in the pit too. Uh, and he declined to go on the trip, um, for the same reason as now, because he doesn't want to, he feels like he shouldn't leave his brother behind because apparently his brother turned down going to the Holy Capital. Um, I don't even know how many years ago, but Hotter like asked him he actually came to town and uh was like you know you're like a really good priest and um you know you would do such a good job there in the capital um so that's that's kind of why he's staying behind because he thinks that he's actually doing his brother a favor to not abandon him um which is pretty thoughtful i guess you know I think it's very thoughtful and like, I mean, this had to be like over probably f- over 15 years ago. Cause they were both still like smaller kids. Um, and like the brother didn't want to leave him because like both their parents had died. It's like, I can't, you know, our family's gone. Like I can't take his hometown from him too. But the big difference was the brother was okay staying in town. It wasn't a huge sacrifice for him, but to seeing it's, it's hurting him. You can tell he's very, apathetic about the things around him and you know his brother was like no don't do that to yourself um i kind of saw this coming because i wanted to do the same thing the scene and i'm not a violent person guys i think i I told people i was going to slap them the last few episodes not a violent man uh (laughs) but i was like he he like if that was like my brother um i'd be like yo like get your you know punch him in the chest you know like lightly like punch him like dude get your shit together like like what are you thinking or like punch him in the shoulder and be like yo what are you thinking 
Like, Wake go, your go. ass up, bro. Right. You're not even really living like that. Like, go. Yeah, and go do his, what you want to go live out your dream, bro, bro. Yeah. And like he's like, hey, you know, I'll be here. And he like he, he ends up slapping uh sign. He's like, I you know, I would never like hold you back from something like this, which I thought was very sweet. Um, I thought this was like, you know, the most touching part of this episode. And it's these cool epi- it's these cool like moments in Free Not, which I think makes it so great. Because we've gotten some cool fight scenes, but I think this anime is really like grounded. And just having these like what seem like everyday conversations or like really good moments that make the anime what it is. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of One Piece. Like, you know, we really were really big fans of One Piece, as you know. And I feel like that this show like really um, hits the same strings as One Piece does as far as like it's 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 kind of about like the journey. It's kind of about the dreams. It's about what friendship means it's you know it's about all these things that we love about one piece i think that's why i really enjoy this show uh and then every once in a while it'll it'll like throw in you know it'll show some leg or whatever and throw in like a crazy fight scene you know what i mean yeah i like that show some leg yeah, yeah. i like that i like that yeah. um but yeah it, it does that and it does it well i don't think that's why it's so highly rated right now yeah, um, definitely going to be anime of the year contender. Um, I really do think so. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see like where this goes in the future. So, uh, if it can like stay stay with us, you know what I mean. Uh, make True. us feel the same things after you know two or three seasons. So, yes, I, I think I long term I need a little bit more than what they're giving me right now. But as far as like first seasons go very high for me yeah um but in the end you know um uh, not many people can turn down uh Freeran's, uh love touch and um uh all that good stuff uh sign actually become decides to become an adventurer so he can find his old friend that left 10 years ago and continue to live out his dream um or start to live out his dream he says that he'll only go with them part part of the way um, that he'll split up once he actually finds his friend. Uh, so the, I guess the real question is, do we think this scene sign is going to be a permanent part of the crew? Or do you think he's actually going to find his friend and split split ways? Um, considering it's been 10 years, his friend might not be on the map anymore. Is what yeah. I think. I think they're gonna figure that out in in some way. Maybe not this season, but maybe next season or something like that. Uh, but so I think he's gonna be a permanent part, or I think he's not gonna want to leave them because they're some cool cool people. Yeah. Um. I think I think so. I like. I would hope that his friend is still well, but it doesn't look very good considering that his friend said he would be back in three years. Um. But I feel like that if he wants to adventure, I feel like Freeran's journey is more of an adventure than a random uh, guy from a small town can put him through. So true, true. I think he, yeah, he's gonna get a one adventure out of this. Yeah. Um. Anything else for this episode? I think that's it. Just another great episode from Freeran. Yeah, they they keep putting them together. They're stringing them together for sure. <laughs> 
Uh, but next, guys, we have Raroni Kenshin, episode 22, Resurrection of the Wolf. So Kenshin has started being bothered by some dreams or nightmares from his past life, leaving him kind of aloof uh, with the rest of the team, and, and they start to worry about him. And just as Kenshin is putting these worries behind him, these dreams, and getting them out of his head, Sanusuke is attacked at the dojo by one of Kenshin's old rivals. Really cool episode, in my opinion. Uh, so the episode starts with Kenshin having a dream, the Bakumatsu, days where he was a manslayer. And he's having this one dream, this reoccurring dream about the Shin, Shingensumi group, which are his past arch nemesis. And uh, Kenshin actually ends up telling us, like, he fought several of these captains one-on-one multiple times. And uh, he goes on to tell us, like, they were the strongest, if not one of the strongest samurai groups of the time. And I thought something was pretty funny after this. Uh, Kairu said that they were the best when they ganged up on their enemies. (laughs) So if you're the strongest, why are you jumping? Like, you know, Kenshin said like they were trying to keep Tokyo safe, but like, what, what's your thoughts on that? Because I thought that was kind of whack. It is kind of whack, but I think Kenshin kind of explained it pretty well. Uh, what their logic was, and I think, or at least I thought, at least this is what I took from it, uh, that they didn't care. They didn't care about fairness um of jumping on like a big group jumping on one person as long as it was in the name of their objective so even though sure they could get the job done 1v1 but i know i'm gonna get the job done 5v1 you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah uh that's kind of how i looked at it and that's that's what i took out of what kenshin said um basically is that you know, even though that they thought that they could get the job done by themselves, they for sure gonna get it done with numbers. So right, yeah, he was saying that like safety was their number one priority, safety of the city. So it makes yeah. sense they would jump people and like try to you know snuff things out before it became an actual problem. But I, in my mind, I can't like visualize that's coward like shit. Five people <laughs> of Kenshin's level. Just like jumping somebody or anybody close to that, just like jumping one person. I mean, you're I'm dead. sure that shit was effective. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you're sure dead. that was very effective. Like uh, seconds, you know what I mean? So for sure. Uh, uh Kenshin also like goes on to like mention like he feels like he's closer with people from the Shingumi Shinsengumi group than he is with the people from like the revolutionary government because he's fought them so many times. Did you did you find that weird? Uh, no, not really. Uh, the, the the thing about it is, though, is like there's not many people on Kenshin's level, you know what I mean? And I feel like that he relates to them because they are on his level. And the fact that he's, you know, had to go toe-to-toe with them, and when you're having to go toe-to-toe with them, uh, someone on your level, and it's like a fight to the death or you know, something along those lines where everything is on the table. Um, I feel like that your true self comes out uh, during those times because you can't afford to hold anything back. And once that happens, you kind of know who a person is. You know what I mean? 
Right. So. I follow that. I follow it, that. It's like it's like a Naruto and stuff, you know, uh, fighting with words, uh, fighting with uh, actions and not words, is when you finally understand someone. If you, true, true. If you remember them saying Naruto and Sasuke saying that multiple times, so yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, that was a big thing in Naruto. Yeah. Um, you know, saying like that high level shinobi could understand themselves, understand each other just from punching each other. Yeah. Um, maybe it's the I, same way, you know. So. I could definitely see that because, like, I mean, just growing up playing competitive sports, especially like summer league, where like you're playing the same people all the time, whether it's golf or or, or basketball, you do gain like a huge respect for your competitors. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, I was close with a lot of those people, so it makes sense in a way. It makes sense. I don't know if I'd be feeling the same way if we were fighting to the death. So maybe it's more like the Naruto thing. Yeah, I. You know who who knows. Uh, but I mean, you know, who was really on Kench's level? Um, and then another thing is, is like, you know, he went on to say, like, um, they're both just doing what they, they're both just fighting for what they believe is right, basically. So right. they're kind of the same, but they're not, I guess. So, I mean, it would make sense to kind of be, be, get close to them because, you're like I said, you're you're basically doing the same thing. You're you know, you're very uh into slash emotional or whatever about your thing and they are about their thing. So True, true. Yeah. I, I, I can definitely follow it after you explain it that way. Um yeah, because you have to have some level of respect if you're just going back to back with these guys and they they they're like up there with you like that. Yeah, makes sense. Um so we go from uh, that scene to a scene with Sano kind of just chilling on the steps of the dojo. A little disappointed that he didn't have any free food to eat and Kairu wasn't <laughs> there serving it up. Um, and then a guy, just a random guy selling medicine came up to the dojo uh, as he was sitting there. And the guy's talking to him about, you know, some medicines, like, you know, really great cures and whatnot. And Sano kind of looks at him. He's like, you know, dude, your, your eyes are kind of narrow. And he's like, I'm just born with these eyes. Uh, it's just how, you know, it's how I'm made. It's how I'm built. And then Sano like rushes him and turns his palm upwards so he can see it. He's like, you know, that comes from working with swords. You're playing with a lot of bamboo swords to be a medicine man. And the guy opens his eyes and you can see like the murderous intent in him and he jumps back. <clears throat> and I thought this was like one of the coolest scenes, if not the coolest scene in the episode. Um, Sano kind of runs up and punches the, this mystery man. And the mystery man goes, oh, that's pretty solid, man. Uh, <laughs> and we know Sano's a, a fucking brick shithouse, right? And, and the guy goes, you know, in today's world, in this time of peace, like you're probably one of the strongest people around. But, you know, back in the days of war, the Bakumatsu era, that's normal. So I... <laughs> So that's not gonna do it, bro. Like you're just a guy to me, you're and I thought it was average. crazy. Yeah, like you're just a dude, bro. You're fodder, <laughs> and like he just—I mean—he loads back and uh, fires off with his katana and and pushes Sano straight through the building. And bro, did you realize they were really boxing like that back in the old days? Like I didn't know Sano was just a dude. You know what I'm saying? Um. Yeah. I mean, well, I didn't really expect that um i mean i guess they was just a different breed back then um 
but you know, I mean, we know that Kenshin wasn't really surprised that Sano is, you know, strength either. Um, so I guess we should have expected it, but that's wild. Yeah, I mean, it took Kenshin aback a little bit because Kenshin was like not really fighting like that. Like he wasn't trying to hurt him. Yeah. Um, where this guy was like, he has no problem like just putting a sword in him just to like send a message. But I think we see this like in a, a lot in anime, like you know, the times before the actual anime starts, like people were like really boxing, like, you know, like going hard, like Naruto, you got like the Hashirama era, the Madara era before that. Um, one piece, the rocks crew with like, you know, three different emperors on one crew, like it's fucking nuts. So like, I think it's cool that they do that. But like, why do you think they do that for like narrative purposes? Uh, Well, I mean, I think the same can be said about like real life too. Like you always find people saying, you know, back in my day, you know, uh, top shit, um, for sure. I think I think that's just I think that's just the way it's looked at. Everybody thinks that they're like they're like if they're older or whatever, they just think that like back in their day it was it was tougher. It was you know because they want to believe that you know. Uh, true. True. But as far as like the anime trying to do that, I think it just there has to be like. You know, um, like a ceiling, like yeah, to show how powerful you can get or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you can't have the like current people be the almighty powerful people. You know, you have to have something to, to you know, shoot for. I guess you can say. Right, right, yeah. I, I think, I think that 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 part's true right there. Where it's like, yeah, they they have to give you something to aspire to, um, and then like you know, sometimes they bring these people out of the woodwork. Like, you have old Big Mom and old Kaido. Um, Naruto, they brought Madara and Hashirama back. And, like, they were just, you know, OG powerful. Like, oh, straight OP. Some like, of my it, favorite parts of, like, Naruto was the Madara and Hash, uh, Hashirama interactions in the Great War. So, yeah, yeah. I'll deal with <laughs> you later, Madara. Nah. <laughs> Like who really out here with bitch and moderate like that? Um, yeah, I, that was a great moment. But yeah, I think I think it's cool that, that that anime does this, and I think they have to do it to a certain extent. But I didn't expect it. I thought uh, Sano like scaled to them at least. Yeah. Um, uh. But yeah, getting back to it, the rest of the gang like kind of returned to the dojo to find Sano on the floor with a with a broken katana in his chest. It's crazy. Um, it is. <laughs> and next we like find our mystery man uh fujita talking with some shady characters and you know about the whereabouts of kenshin and uh, we soon learn that the man he's talking to the man fujita's talking to was the uh, senate secretary high level government meiji government type beat and Tyler, were you surprised about this? I knew what was going on, but like, how'd you feel in that moment learning that? Like, if there's one thing you can take from this is that the government is corrupt no matter where you go or look <laughs> or how long ago it was or how far in the future you go, government is always corrupt. It's just corrupts, how corrupt brother. are they, you yeah. know? Um, and... You know, we're we're seeing some of the you know, sus sus guys right now, like they're they're really far out there. 
Like uh, they they want to try to kill people um, and stuff like that to get the get get what they want. Um, not uh, obviously not all politics politicians are like that, but I feel mm-hmm. like if they thought that they could get away with it, they probably would be. So true, true, true. And it's like crazy. Like yeah, I mean it's it's an actual historical quote. It's like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, it was it was coined by like a British historian back in the day. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's true. Like you give anybody too much power, no matter how good of a person they are, they're going to like, it's a slippery slope. You got yeah. power. Um, For sure. 100%. <laughs> but Fujita, like he, he's like, he's a crazy son of a bitch. He says he's just happy to be, you know, back, you know, on the prowl killing and is especially excited because his first job with this guy, Shibumi, which is the uh, Senate secretary is going after Kenshin, his arch nemesis, his dog. I, I just wonder, like, um, was was Fujito or Fujita always this bloodlusted or whatever? Or, and if he was, then why did Kenshin let him walk back in the day? But so Kenshin is like one of the most was one of the most powerful or deemed the most powerful like samurai back in the day. Batosai. But as as Kenshin said, like he fought these dudes to stalemates. Mm, so okay. they they were on his level, if not very, very close to it, to where he can't just pull up and kill somebody like that. Um, it was mainly just the captains that were that strong. That whole whole group had a different structure to it. Lower level people he could fuck with, but the higher level the captains he had a harder time with is probably why he didn't kill them at the time. Yeah, I mean, what do they do? Like, do they just like keep on fighting and then no one wins and they just leave? Yeah, that's that's what I'm curious about. Like, what happens when there's actually like a stalemate or whatever? Like, do they just say good game and just turn around and walk away? <laughs> uh, I, um, I think we saw it in one flashback earlier in the in this anime. Is like usually they weren't people of this level. They had like more. Um, I'm going to say like a quicker time to response, right? Like you need to go fight this guy to stop him from doing this to allow us to evacuate or allow us to do something. So like there was like a time that they would be battling. Once they achieve their objective, it's like I better just slip out of here somehow instead of going to the death with this guy because I'm an officer. Okay. So tactically retreat is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, in short, that's what I'm saying. Probably more tactical retreats. Um, the rest of the guys have done their objective. Time for me to beat it, you know. Okay, I mean that makes more sense. I just that you know those are the kind of questions that come up uh, in some of these uh, circum, you know, in some of these scenes. Is I'm just wondering about that. You know what I mean? Right, right. Or something gets in the way, or something, like, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I know because I've like, I've watched the whole thing before, but like since they had talked about this previously, I'm gonna um, slip that in for you. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, Shibumi actually says like you know this guy Fujita like he should be able to do the job because Jin Jinne wasn't able to kill Kenshin. So I'm thinking that he actually sent Jin in the first place. I'm thinking, yeah. yeah I don't know if this ever gets confirmed or not, but like. There's a lot of assassination plots coming after Kenshin. I mean, it uh, sounds like it. Uh, uh, he threw, you know, he throws around 
that a lot. Um, you know, he threw around Janae's name a lot, so you would assume that he had some kind of play in it, you know? So True, true. And like he knew how it ended up, so uh, he's probably the guy that sent the hit. Because uh, Janae uh, or, or, or Jen, like, he definitely mentioned that, like, the government was coming after Kenshin in some way. Or that the, the corruption was coming from the top. So, going back to the dojo, Kenshin is examining the clues uh, from Sano getting his ass whooped and then the hole in the wall that it left. And he was like, you know, there's not many people that are strong enough, one, to defeat Sano in Tokyo, and two, that they can put a hole through this dojo wall with a, you know, with their sword in Sano's body. He talks about things like, you know, the blade was perfectly parallel. This is a certain style that this group uses. And he figures out it was Fujita. Um, and Vegeta, Fujita knows that he planted all these clues for him to find out. And now we're going back to the actual assassination leader, Shibumi. And then they have another guy working with him, Arundo. And Fujita is like, hey, Arundo, you know, you want to go attack him first? I know you want this bounty anyway. So let's split it, bro. Let's split it. Um, <laughs> this new this new ego that I have, like, you know, this guy, he's a very safe guy. So, like, he'd rather, you know, split the bounty and for sure have it. Were you buying that? No, I thought there was something else uh, going on with it. Because this dude, he just wants to kill, you know? He 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 lives for killing. You could tell That's it. That's a good point, yeah. And... You know, he's not just going to let some guy take his, you know, take his cookie away. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he wants to eat the cookie himself. He's not going to let that happen. <laughs> so he's got he's got some kind of ulterior motives right now. And um, we kind of we kind of see what's up later on uh, at the end of the episode, too. So true, true. So um, Fuji just sends a note out to Kenshin and tells him to meet him. At a, at a certain location and our boy Arundo, which I, I love Arundo's design, by the way, with like the, uh, the stitches going down the side yeah. of his face and then up his forehead. I think he has one of the cooler character designs. Uh, it's menacing, but it's like not overdone. And, uh, Aruto like starts getting the banging with Kenshin and Kenshin's like, you know what? You can't win. And so he starts groveling to him. He's like, Oh, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I won't do it again. I was put up to this. And as Kenshin's walking away, bro pulls out more chains and wraps them around Kenshin's uh, arm, the, his lower body, and then another chain around his neck. But Kenshin slips his arm in so he doesn't get choked the fuck out. And that's kind smart, of where we... You know, yeah, smart. Very, very smart. So he did a little sneak attack on our boy Kenshin. And that's kind of like where the episode ends. Uh, so what was your thoughts on the episode so far? I thought this was a pretty tricky little uh, battle here. Yeah. Um, like, obviously, we expect the Kenshin to, like, decimate um, Arundo. Uh, I didn't expect uh, Kenshin. I, I, I expected Kenshin to make his way out of that situation very fast after he got sneak attacked. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. Um, he actually looks like he's kind of in trouble, which, which I enjoy. Like, I don't enjoy that our boy is like, uh, you know, looking like he might lose, but I enjoy 
seeing him face these kind of troubles because it ain't all easy. You know, it's right. It, he has to work for it. Um, so I, I enjoy that. Excellent. Yeah, we've seen Kenshin get cut and slashed a little bit, but like he's grappled right now. He's getting he's swung the- swung <laughs> around and thrown on the ground and shit. It's very different. Yeah, he's in a bond right now, literally. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we also uh, took the episode we see Vegeta spying on Yahiko. So I, I wonder what's going on there. We'll have to see next week. But, uh, uh, you, the thing is, is like with that, um, uh, what do you think that, what do you think he's actually doing, you know? I think he's going to, Probably kidnap Yahiko. I don't remember exactly, so I'm not intentionally spoiling if this is what actually happens. You think so? But I, I, I think, think he. I think he's gonna. I think he's got in this. Him. I would hope that I would hope that it's like kidnapping because in my mind, you know, if I was someone like him, I would try to hurt him mentally and make him suffer by killing the people that um, was close to him before I killed him. That's what I would do, but... Yeah, he probably wants to see someone like Kenshin suffer anyway. Yeah. Because he probably... I mean, Kenshin's probably killed a ton of people that he knows. Like, probably yeah. a metric fuck ton. Yeah. But, but yeah. We'll, be, we'll be interested to see, because we're... We got, what, two more episodes before the um finale? Yes, sir. One episode before the finale, so I think... Because it's 24, this is 22, so we got yes. 23 and fin the finale, so... That is it, my friend. That is it. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been loving this uh, remake so far. It changed a few things, but it, it's it's all been good. It's all been good. Uh, getting next, getting to our next rundown show, we have Jujutsu Kaisen episode nineteen, right and wrong part two. Fucking depressing. Uh, so <laughs> in this episode, Yuji and Nobara are fighting two separate battles with Mahito's split bodies, and in the end, Mahito finds a way to get an upper hand. Rest in peace to my girl Nabara. God damn. <laughs> damn. He's <laughs> well played. Uh, it, it hurts, brother. Uh, but this episode starts with Nabara finding out like about what's really going on in the sh- in Shibuya. So being our girl being a boss that she is, she won't let her teammates fight without her. She's like, I'm not gonna be the only one not boxing, and you guys can't stop me. I want you to try. And walks off. Goes goes to find some trouble. Like I know she, you know, I know she's got heart. <laughs> and we actually return to the fight with Yuji and Mahito, and we see that Yuji is still struggling to fight Mahito when he's using like regular humans as like fodder while they're fighting, which I think is something he has to get over at some point. Yeah. Or else you're letting him kill more people by not finishing him. Yeah, I think he's just still shell shocked from Sukuna, honestly, at this point. True. True. You know, you would think, yeah, he's definitely shell-shocked, but you think he would want to lock in even more so he can just stop all this killing. Because uh, I know he feels, like, responsible in a way. Um, yeah, but at the same time, like, in that situation, like, he can't just um, disregard the humans because if he does, then maybe, you know, in his mind, is he is he really different from Sukuna at that point? And, True. And right now he's trying to put distance in between the thought of what Sukuna did and what he is as a person, I guess you could say. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. I follow that. Um, 
But meanwhile, Nabara is straight pressing Mahito. Like, right. it's, it's going crazy. And, like, I'm going to take this time to say this before we get to the fight. <laughs> uh, Nabara is, like, one of my favorite female characters in anime uh, from the yeah. last several years. Like, no cap. Uh, she's super cool. Um, she's definitely really well written. I wish that her powers was a little bit more capable, but, you know, I'll take it. And she makes it work, you know. Yeah. She makes it work. She's not like super powerful, like innately, but she 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 puts it together. Um, but as they're fighting, like Navarro, like is really just not aware that this part of Mahito's body can't transfigure things. So she's dodging his attacks whenever he attacks with hands. And you know, Mahito kind of figures out that like she's actually figured out what his ability is. And then she says, you know, I, I heard about you, you know, months ago at this time. And she made a special attack just for him, mm, okay. which I thought was dope. Like, yeah, she pretty much just scattered some some nails on the ground and had them come up through the back. I thought that part was super cool because Mahito had no idea what the hell was going on. And then she he puts a she puts a air hairpin in his forehead, and Mahito actually says, you know, Nabara is a natural enemy of his, and I I know what he means by it like that, like his ability doesn't match up well with hers but like what about her ability do you think doesn't match up well with his i think i think the fact that like she's long she's like a mid to long range attacker um really throws his uh technique and stuff or his fighting style out the window because ah. in order for him to like um do like significant damage like he has to touch her or get really close to her and she can like literally just stay away from him. She don't have to get in close. That, okay, okay. I think uh, thank you for putting why. that together for me. I think you're right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Whereas like Yuji, you know, what's he gonna do? Like he, he's got to get up close too. You know. Yeah. Um, Only so, thing saving him is having Sukuna inside of him. With that and his crazy athleticism. So. True. True. Um. But yeah. Unfortunately, you know, Nambara's got a big brain. Uh, that's why we love her. Uh, she figures out that Mahito can't transfigure, and she figures out that they have a split personality because when she does the hairpin, she feels her, her curse energy in another location. So she starts getting a little bit more brave, but then Mahito's like, nah, bro, I'm not fighting this woman. <laughs> <laughs> just starts running from her and runs to the underground, uh, the subway. And we go down to the subway, bro, and Yuji is packing up Mahito with the assist from Nabara. I mean, my God. Have you seen this man on Demon Time like this before? I don't think we've seen anything like this. I mean, he, he went pretty hard in that um, tag team fight back in the day against uh, uh, whatever the hell his name was, Tree Man. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. But this is solo, man. Like, I mean, of course, their boy is suppressed right now, thanks to uh, Nobra. Um, but like, he was trying to take full advantage of it. You could actually tell it, so he was oh, doing his best for sure. He was being flashy with it too. He ended a combo with that double fist to the gut. I was like, yeah. nah, he he knows he's cooking. Look at him. Look I was at him. I, I was wondering like why he didn't like throw in like a couple black flashes there. Honestly. I don't know. I think that takes a lot out of him. Because what do you, what can he do? Two or three a day? It's something. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if we've ever like really figured out his limits on that. Um, 
but like I was surprised to not see one. Uh, maybe he just knew instead of like doing Black Flash, like one Black Flash, maybe he wanted to get like a lot of hits in or something like that. So true, uh, you know, a little pepper. Yeah, uh, a little pepper pepper him up a little <laughs> bit. Um, yeah, but usually, I mean, regardless, was fighting like really hard. I mean, the, the hardest we've seen him fight in a while at this point. Uh, you think he was fighting harder because he like realized Navarro was on the battlefield, or like is he just like going ape shit because of you know Nanami just got packed up in front of him? You know, I I think it's I think it's more like you know he he's trying to redeem himself. Plus, you know, he's seen Nanami, you know, like you said, get packed up, but like after Nanami, like who else is there to like save? today like if he goes down against um mahito then that means sukuna comes back out right yes like technically like sukuna wouldn't let him die so sukuna would come back out i think i think he realizes that he can't die because if he does then that means that he probably won't get another chance to come back that's true that's true Um, okay which I mean, you know, his friend Nobra, you know, being there too, uh, would probably motivate him as well. He definitely don't want to let Sukuna loose with her like really close. So, um, yeah, I was thinking he just like felt some kind of kind of comfort knowing Nabara was there. I mean, that yeah. along with the debuff that that Mahito had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I mean, he does say when they're fighting, like he's like, "Oh, Nabara's here." Yeah. Okay. Like okay. Like we got some motion. Like I know. Like some of my friends are like, okay. And I think I thought that freed him up a little bit. Yeah, it could, it could be, I'm just, I'm just really excited to see, you know, our boy, um, actually trying his hardest, um, to take advantage of the situation that was given to him. True. True. It's, it's time for him to wake up and throw some hands. Um, so my, he kind of escapes his clutches, turning into like these, Six little ball things. Minions, um, you mean? <laughs> minions. <laughs> <laughs> All it locked was yellow, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he he escapes Yuji's uh, clutches, I'll say. And um, the Mahitos start running towards each other. What did you think was going to happen? Did you think they were going to merge? That's what I thought. I didn't know what. Like I was just so fascinated with the fact that we had minions running around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for them to, you know, do their little iconic, like, you know, weird voice lines or whatever. That would have, that would send me over the edge. That would have been uh, hilarious in this moment. <laughs> so, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about what was happening. I was just so fascinated with, uh, you know, the little round uh, clones that look like minions <laughs> <laughs> doing this. Uh, okay. So. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Mahito was gonna like merge and like then just start going ape ship on both of them at one time. Oh, uh, you you're talking about like when they was going past each other after the yeah, minions, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, when they were like running towards each other, I, okay. I definitely thought that they were gonna merge and just like, start too. stomping. I did too. I thought okay. you were still talking about the minions. Nah, 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 <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, I thought they were just trying to kind of like conjoin because you got to figure they probably like each have like half the power and yeah. not, not the whole move set yeah plus yuji like like you said he beat the shit out of that man you know he mm-hmm. you know uh and 
Nobra, like the double, uh, couldn't really stand make any progress with no Nobra. Shot. You know, had no shot with her. So yeah. I was like, you know, they have to combine, and maybe he can use them, like use Nobra being there as an advantage against Yuji. So like a yes. real human, uh, um, you know, divergent or something. You know, target. So. True. I thought we were gonna see another like JJK jumping. Um, I feel like this show is like we get at least a few jumpings, you know, uh, every season. Uh, so far, last season was big on jumping. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I thought was gonna and like Nabara and Yuji actually combo really really well together. So I thought that's what we we're about to get. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, the Mahitos run past each other. They're pretty much just switching opponents. Uh, little tag team action and. The Mahito that can transfigure bodies pretty much just slaps Nabara, Nabara across the face. And she immediately is just like, fuck, I fucked up, didn't I? And you know how you know she fucked up, Tyler? We got a flashback immediately. We got the classic, you know, flashback, bro. The classic. Oh, fuck. And bro, I was, you should have seen me when I was sitting on my couch. I looked like my puppy died, bro. Like, it was bad. I bet you had to pause that shit and just sit bro, there I and did. stare at I the was, screen. I, was, I literally was just like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. Damn. <laughs> Damn, bro. I was sad as hell. Um, do we need to really talk about this flashback much? I don't feel like much really happened. It, I don't it, know. It just, it just showed, like, basically, like, just... You know, re, re like put a staple in like who Nobra really was. It really, you know, put the finishing touches on it. Like she's always been that that girl. You know what I mean? So right, that's she's what like, I felt she, like. she's like, yeah, rambunctious but kind at the end of the day. Yeah. She cares about people. Um, looking out for the little people, you know. Right, and it, like it showed that like she had a pretty like decent childhood. Like she 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 had a couple of people around her that like they were like super cool. Um, she ended up losing like a person that she looked up to, like a like a big sister, uh, before you know when she was a kid. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of shows she was a good person, has a good heart, which yeah. hurt even more, bro. I was sitting there pissed off watching that shit, so I knew what was going to happen as soon as they got done. Um, so yeah, we knew Nabara was cooked. So, um, right after the flashback scene ends, Nabara turns to Yuji. And says one of two things according to country, country rule. Says, Yuji, tell everyone, I've had a pretty good life. And then I think they changed the translation. I can't confirm that because I did watch it on uh, Friday and then recently here on Sunday. As of Sunday, uh, December 3rd, it says life wasn't that bad. Which I like the first one better. A pretty good life sounds better to me. Yeah. I, I wish we knew for certain that I, I really do think that I'm with you. Like, I think that um they did change it. They, they've been doing that here lately. I think we talked about it a little bit on the last episode where, I you know, that they was changing, uh, getting the wrong translations in at first and then changing them later. Uh, but I do think that, you know, the, the, the beginning one actually sounded better, like you said, too, so... Right, because you had Nabara there, and like 
we don't see her smile like not deviously when she's packing people up she's smiling but that's yeah. you know that's just her being a demon <laughs> uh but like she had like a genuinely like content satisfied look on her face uh, like she was at peace so like you know to say life wasn't that bad in that instance just didn't fit to me uh as when i saw it on friday and it said i had a pretty good life so to me it, like changed the meaning a lot and i wonder what the official translation would be you know what i'm saying yeah uh, how did you take her death? I've been talking about how I was crying on the couch, uh, pissed off, thinking about never watching JJK again. How did you feel? <laughs> well, uh, as the great uh, DJ Khaled said, another one. Oh, hell. <laughs> now nah, you're wilding. You're wilding. Um, you know, we're just taking another L. Uh, I mean, it's Shibuya, I guess. Uh, but the thing is, is like, yeah, sure. Um, it makes her out the thing. It makes us think that she's dead, but I don't think she's actually dead. I really don't. Well, I, I'm willing to hear this out. What's going on with that? So, like, okay, there, there's there's several reasons why I think this. So, at the beginning of the episode, like, um, Shoko is brought up again at the very beginning, uh, you know, about how they're trying to hide that she's there so people won't act crazy. And do things that they shouldn't, you know, okay. go out of yeah. their way, blah, blah, blah. She's, this is like the, this is like the, another, we've already seen this before, but they bring it up again, you know, like reminding us, oh, Shoko's actually here. So, um, because she know, you know, she's the healer or whatever. Then all the flashbacks, you know, um, that she's saying that she failed to keep her promise and all that stuff. We know how big like promises is. You know, un you know, broken promises they just don't fly usually uh, right. in shonens. Um, and then one of the things that really threw me off is the fact that we don't see her face at all after after it explodes, only the blood. And then with like um, like as she's falling, um, Itadori is like uh. No, you know what? I forget her last name or what her first name, whatever. But he says her name like with a question, like he thinks that there's some shot of her being alive still, being okay. You know the way yeah, he's, he's like talking to her. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that he thinks that she's still uh, capable of being saved. And I think mm -hmm. the fact that Shoko was brought up at the beginning to remind us that she's there and. The fact that they made a big deal about the broken promise also. But the biggest thing okay, to me, okay. the biggest thing to me was the fact that but right after Mahito touched her, he said, he said, I wasn't able to finish off the 7-3 sorcerer with just one touch. What about her? I don't know who the 7-3 sorcerer is. Do you? None to me. Not, oh, is that what he's talking about? Yeah, because Nanami has like that 70. He he knows like the breaking oh. point in all things, that 70-30 rule. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's interesting because, you know, he he confirms that he he doesn't, he's not, sometimes he's not able to finish people off with one touch, and he's curious about if he can finish her off with one touch. Plus, you know, this just comes right after he just got suppressed. So is he back to full power yet? True. Okay. 
Like, Thank you for so giving many me some questions. Hope. I can keep watching know? this now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't like that. It feels like they're trying like way too hard to make us believe that, uh, Nobara is dead at this point. But we, in my eyes, we just have so many, um, so many like, uh, bailouts available to us and clues given to us as to why she, you know, can't be dead or True. she has a chance okay. not to be dead. That's so. a lot of, yeah, we have a lot of good reasons to like think that she's not, uh, it's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Plus she's, she's a, she's a MC, right? MC she, can't die, right? She, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> she's a main protagonist. Um, I would very much like Nabara to be alive. Um, like I said, she's one of my favorite female characters from the last few years. Um, honestly, she's Billy badass. Uh, doesn't get like you know, you know, sexualized, and then like she's just she's just a badass dude. Like I, I really yeah. like think she's a well written female character for sure. Yeah, but so, hate to see her go like this, especially like that little slap to the face. Yeah. Come on, like Nabarro's not going out like that. I I, don't, I just don't think so, man. Like I just really don't, I, and that's my logic behind it. Maybe I'm wrong, you know, may. You know, we, we've taken right. a lot of L's. Um, I mean, we could keep on taking them. Uh, this could be like one of those moments like Neji and Naruto. You know, it could be like that. Who knows? Yeah, but for right now, hide your friends, hide your wife. <laughs> um, Mahito is on the hunt. And I hope he dies like the most gruesome. Uh, whatever his personal hell is, that's what I want to see on screen when he gets gone. Well, Itadori like uh, shit on his double like instantly. So, <laughs> well, hopefully he can, next. <laughs> he can keep up the momentum. Hopefully, <laughs> ready for some uh, goat piece, man. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, not a lot happened in One Piece ten eighty six, but we're gonna talk about it. A new emperor, Buggy, the genius jester, and we've been isolated in the land of Wano for so long. And uh, so now we get some updates on what's actually been going on outside the, what do they say, the lawless country um, and the world, you know, around Wano. And we also get the new bounties. We've been waiting for a minute to get to see them. We thought we was going to get to see them like six or seven episodes ago, but we never did. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, the episode starts with Nami beating and basically uh, beating the shit out of and basically like putting Luffy in a birdcage slash jail um, for uh, basically sending them over to Waterfall just because, you know, he was racing um, a trog guy and uh, oh, whatever kid. his name is. Yeah, yeah kid. So that's yeah, pretty he, funny. He put everybody in danger. I really love this scene because like this is like, Jinbei's first time just kind of like dicking around on the ship with everybody <laughs> and like nobody else is intervening and he's like hey mommy like we're we're okay you know maybe you should lay off a little bit yeah. Nami turns around it's literally on fire and Jinbei's like eyes pop out of his head and he's like does she have the color of supreme kings like what's going <laughs> on <laughs> he don't know yet bro he's he's learning though he's learning yeah and somebody was like yeah don't mess with Nami when she's mad so yeah. it was it was a, it was a great moment. Yeah, I, I, I miss these like, kinds of moment, little moments yeah. of the ship. That's that's what I was saying last episode, the last rundown episode. We're getting back to like the the bullshit, you know, the bullshit, and 
you know, even though we love all the fights and all the serious moments and stuff, but the bullshit is what makes One Piece, you know, one of the greatest shows ever. So, yes, uh, it's these little in betweens where they're just hanging on the ship. You they really see their personalities. Love it. Yeah. Uh, but now we get like we actually not like I said not a lot happened. We get to see like the wanted posters. Uh, the Morgan's bird comes flying around and drops them off. Um, and they actually did this pretty unique this time. Uh, I felt like, did you like it? Yeah, it was very different than how they normally get their bounties. Uh, like the little cutaway scenes, uh, you know, saying their full like nicknames and stuff like that by the uh, narrator was pretty awesome. It was yeah. pretty sick. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're part of the emperor's crew, bro, um, Yonko's crew, like you get the stops pulled out for you, you know? True. And I, I'll be honest, Tyler. Uh, so uh, like uh, two weeks ago when uh, Dan was at my place, my my brand new TV quit working as we were sitting there watching it. So I really haven't been wanting to watch TV and I finally got my new one up. Uh, oh. So the anime was looking extra crispy to me, boy. I was hey, loving this. I was eating all of this up. <laughs> what kind of TV did you get to watch it on? It's tell a, me, tell me it's some a Sony uh, 75 inch. It's one of their higher end models. It's not an OLED. It's like a mini. Oh, uh, it's, it's like a mini LED. Okay, it, bro, it's, it's very nice. Very I got nice. A, I got a 65 OLED in my room. You got an OLED in the room. Listen, listen, You're savage. Once you go OLED, you don't go back, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that shit looks clean. Yeah, uh, the only thing I was like, well, one OLEDs are expensive as fuck. Yeah, uh, and two, like my my living room is right. Well, the TV's right next to a bunch of windows, so it's very oh, bright. True. And OLEDs don't get that bright. Yeah, so I was worried about that. Well, as you can see, the only window back here is covered up with Luffy. So I keep it dark up in here. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, I have a lot of natural light on the the second floor there, so <laughs> I had to get something super bright. Yeah, but um, basically we're just gonna we're just gonna go down and talk about you know the new bounties, and then then after that we'll we'll get to a little bit of fun shit you know with our boy Buggy, but um uh, first first one that comes uh comes up is Chopper, and um <laughs> he was so excited to get uh get the uh, get the bounty poster, and I think it said on there something like um. Uh, cotton candy loving uh doctor or something like that, right? Cotton candy chopper, yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah, the, that's what yeah. the world knows him as. Cotton candy chopper, <laughs> he is so cute, man. <laughs> uh, he he's got the little the you know pet in parentheses, um, but he he's pretty happy that his bounty did go up. Um, I forget how much by, but it's a thousand berries now. I think it went uh, from either 50 or 100 berries <laughs> to 1,000. And he was he was like, it went up, but like, they still trying to play me. Like, I'm, I'm really that guy. Like, yeah. he was putting in where he was fighting Queen. Like, give, him, give my boy some credit. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed. I, I, don't, I don't know who I enjoyed the most, but Chopper's, his was just so cool. Because then, uh, I don't know if it happened right then, but Robin like came down with some cotton candy. It was like, here, yes. here, Chopper. And he, he instantly just got happy. So, yeah, he is cotton candy chopper on the low. <laughs> Give me some cotton candy, bro, and everything will be okay. Exactly. And then next we had 
Nami, um, she is now 336 million berries and she was crying. I thought she was just saying, thinking her bounty got too high, but she was like, I would love to have that amount of money, <laughs> <laughs> which is another good one. Uh, then we, you know, you get classic Brooks fretting his guitar. He's 383 million berries. I got Frankie. Uh, Frankie's was funny. I thought it was yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, they didn't even put a picture of him <laughs> on his own wanted poster. They put the thousand sunny on it. Um, he has a slightly higher bounty than uh, Brooke at 394. Shouldn't, shouldn't he be happy? Shouldn't he be proud that his greatest glory, I guess you can say, um, like uh, was on the wanted poster instead of him, though? I don't know, man. Like, if I was at the risk of my life, I probably would want the credit. Okay. Um, and like, I think like being a pirate, like you take a sense of pride in it as being your bounty. Um, okay. It's like Maybe. my dad, when I was a kid, he wouldn't even let me believe in uh, Santa Claus because he wanted the credit for the presents. Same okay. type of beat. Same type of beat. Uh, maybe, um, maybe, maybe the Thousand Sunnies should have their own bounty then. That'd be kind of nuts. Yeah. That'd be kind of nuts. <laughs> but uh, after that, we have God Usopp, my boy, Goldie Usopp. Yeah. Uh, 500 million berries. Big boy status, bro. Big boy status. Um, and of course, he freaks out. He gets like the tubular eyes. He's like, I can't let this go up anymore. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta <laughs> slow down. <laughs> yeah, I gotta chill out, man. I can't be doing this. Bro, bro said he can't live this life. My man is basically the straw hats version of uh, Buggy. Like he just 100%. falls up. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Failing upwards is the theme of the theme of the day. <laughs> um from there we get robin at 9 30 we knew she was gonna have a high bounty because she uh can read poneglyphs she is the devil child um yeah. also robin's strong as fuck like yeah it was low-key before wano but now we know like she's really got she's got some power um sanji they got him at 1 billion 32 million berries the fourth place loser uh dan can no longer say he's in third place um <laughs> that's an old one for y'all been listening for a while uh they interestingly enough they went back to his like hand-drawn picture like why do y'all think he they did that they had like a real picture of him yeah i don't i don't know i maybe maybe because of just just humor i think because you know sanji like really cares about um the way he looks i guess um and i, I think that might be it honestly uh who knows? I, I'm not yeah. sure. I think uh, it's just humor, though. Okay, okay. I, 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 uh, I want there to be a, like a canonical reason for it, but okay. if it's just for, I'd be okay with it being just for humor. But I, I hope like it's part of the plot at some point. Well, I know there for a while back in um, where was it? Uh, Fishman Island was it? He he actually had what's his name that had the uh, opposite eyebrows or whatever his look alike. Mm -hmm. Didn't they have him on his wanted poster for a while? I think they did. Um, he's always had a, a janky wanted poster. Yeah. And then for a long time, because he's in Vin Smoke, he was only wanted alive. Yeah, so his his wanted poster has always been like a little weird. Yeah, so who knows? I you're right though, like wonder like maybe maybe Goda will let us know like the actual reason behind um that. Maybe it's just to keep like a clear like you know, Zoro's number two kind of deal. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like it because, like, uh, if, if anything, at the very least, it's, it's a gag at this point. It's just a gag. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then we have Jim Bay coming in at number three on the crew at one billion, one hundred million berries. We knew Jim Bay is going to be big. Uh, former warlord, big Jim Bay, only big yeah. Jim Bay. Um, <clears throat> Zoro's one billion, one hundred and eleven million berries. And uh, man, he really takes it to Sanji here, and it's it's so funny. Like, like yeah, don't listen to the fourth place loser. Um, and I think this is one of the first times Jimbei has seen Sanji and 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 Zoro really go at it, and he seems a little confused about that as well. So Jimbei's getting the crash course and being a straw hat pirate. <laughs> yeah, poor Jimbei, bro. Oh man, and then we wonder, have, wonder wonder if he's like thinking like what I get myself into at this point. I mean, that, look, he, he's too late now. He gave back their cup of sake to Big Mom. Like, they just, you know, he's all the way in it. And he was just happy that they recognized him as a straw hat, too, which I yeah. thought was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. He's just happy cool. to be there. He's happy to be there. <laughs> and you got Luffy with the three billion berry bounty, Big Bees. So, really cool. I mean, we have some extremely high bounties at this point. Like, it used to be cool that Luffy had like a 300 million. Bounty, uh, bounty berry, berry bounty, <laughs> <laughs> and there's only one character below it, and that's not even like really correct, and it's Chopper. So really cool to see. Yeah, and you know, I guess that's that's about it for that. Really, really, uh, I, I hope they really keep on doing like these little scenes for the bounties in the future. Um, um, but now we get on to like uh the next. Uh, thing that happens and it's about buggy and he, apparently right now he's being held prisoner by mihawk and crocodile uh they actually got his head cut off and i guess the rest of his body is kind of subdued somewhere maybe um because uh, it's nowhere to be found but we learned that the cross guild was going to be run by crocodile and mihawk um in the beginning but um the world thinks that buggy is actually the leader um, all because of a flyer, I guess, right? Yeah, so um, Mihawk and mainly Crocodile pulled up on Buggy's Island because Buggy owes Croco money. <laughs> Croco mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where's Dan when you need him? Um, yeah. And... Uh, He's like they're like pressing Buggy about it, and like he's like you know instead of killing me, like I can just like do marketing. I have a lot of you know labor, and I have an organization here you guys can use, and I'll just work for you. But Buggy's people are so just like high on him that like they made him the leader in the poster, and they put it out before he even approved it. <laughs> it's wild, bro. I was wondering what the hell was going on because we know Buggy's a he's he's a fraud. He is not on fraud watch. He is a fraud. <laughs> yeah, he's like, how many people did you show this to? And they're like, oh, we we've already sent it out. It's it's already been shown to the whole world. We printed one million <laughs> copies, sir. And his eyes, you could just see the fear in his eyes. He's like, oh, shit, we done, we done screwed up now, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, like, his, like, his lies just keep coming back to, like, haunt him. <laughs> he fails upwards, but, like, it's just, it's just, like, two steps forward, one step back at every, like, turn. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's funny to see this. Um, every time we see Buggy, it's just like 
what is he what is he what is he succeeding at now on accident so um and this is one of them you know he was a people think that he's uh got crocodile and and mihawk under him which <laughs> is what made him be a yonko um so yeah yeah, it's, and Mihawk uh, said probably the funniest line of the, well, one of the funniest lines of the episode. He was like, you're the only person, you're the first and last person that will become a warlord. I mean, become a Yonko by saying sorry. <laughs> I was like, damn, he's cooking his ace. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, Cro- Crocodile wanted him. Crocodile wanted to, you know, get rid of him uh, right then and there. And, you know, Mihawk was like, you know, you know what? Let's, you know, I, I enjoy my life. I enjoy not being Yonko. Like, let's let's just let him. Like, why? what's it hurting? We can literally just, you know, get rid of him when we want to. Like, what's the big deal? Like, right. There's no threat. True. It's like, yeah, I, I, I like that move by Mihawk. It's actually very pretty, like, pretty heads up. Like, you know, let this guy be the figurehead. He'll take all the heat. And, you know, if somebody comes a knocking, like, we'll just throw him. We'll throw him the clown, bro. <laughs> Yeah, it was just throwing him a buggy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, like I said, pretty smart. Croc, Mom, you know, he, he went along with it. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's, it's, it's pretty smart. So, um, so, and then we get into like the Navy headquarters, uh, you know, explaining that the Cross Guild is actually a threat to them, um, which I guess we kind of knew at this point, but we actually get them saying that it, they was a threat. Um, but then we get into their bounties, right? Yeah. Uh, so we, we have Mihawk's bounty, which is 3 billion, 590 million, uh, a little bit bigger than, than Luffy's. Uh, they were saying this is because he is the strongest swordsman in the world. Uh, he can, you know, he can outmatch red haired shanks with the, with the sword play. So that was pretty crazy to see, uh, here as well. We knew it, but like, I think there's always some doubts within the community. Um, but yeah, Mihawk's still that guy. Yeah. And then we have Crocodile at 1965000000 which I thought was really low for Crocodile. Um, yeah. They see he is devil fruit as a threat, but like I guess he just doesn't have that many feats. He also got beat by Luffy before, so. Yeah, but, and the thing is, is like with Crocodile, like what has he actually done in, since he got defeated by Luffy. Like he, he kind of went missing, right? Yeah. He was in impaled down, made the escape and was at uh, the, 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 the war of the best. Um, but he didn't shake up a ton of shit. He like beat up fodder for the most part. So like, he wasn't really boxing like that. Um, but buggy, even though he's the leader, it doesn't make sense to me. He doesn't have the highest bounty out of them. He hogs bounty still bigger. Uh, buggy, we have a three billion one hundred eighty nine million, but it's just crazy to me that they think they have like Mihawk and Crocodile under control. Like, yeah, that's fucking Mihawk, bro. Like, what? <laughs> it's also crazy to me that Buggy is like above Luffy, his yes. bounty. Yes, and Luffy just beat you know, obviously he didn't beat him by himself technically or whatever, but like literally Luffy just kind of beat Kato and and kind of ascended um into god level right and True. I, I think still they, over him? i think that if the world knew that he solo pretty much soloed 
Kaido, like his bounty would be higher. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy to think. You know, it's a it's only 189 million above Luffy's, but Buggy's I just a loser. don't see how Buggy is over Luffy. I mean, I think uh, it's purely because he has Mihawk and Crocodile. I, I guess. Because he was already uh, a warlord. Think, yeah. Or, and they think, yeah. And you uh, also got to think about it, like, they pulled up the Buggy's Island with a bunch of warships and got decimated. So that probably bumped it up a lot, too. And they thought it got decimated on his command. <laughs> which is wild. He was getting Felling pressed. upwards. 100%, bro. He's falling upstairs right now. <laughs> but yeah but, that's pretty much the end of the episode man yeah yeah um, that, that's pretty much it uh, I think next week we're gonna we'll, we'll get into some more stuff I guess what's happening outside of Wano but I guess that's it um, but you know uh, if you want to rate the podcast on all your platforms uh, let, let your friends know about you know our show you know would be super helpful um, if you have any like questions, topics about any of the shows that we cover, always let us know in discord. Um, we will, we'll try our best to talk about them. Uh, linktree.com slash anime degens. Y'all know what's up. We'll see y'all on Thursday. Peace. Bye.